Member-supported Jazz 90.1 proudly welcomes you to America's longest-running computer show, Soundbites. Call the show now at 966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299. Toll-free, 800-790-0415 or soundbites.org. Now, alongside Steve Ray and Dave Enright, here's Nick Francesco on member-supported Jazz 90.1. Good afternoon, Mr. and Mrs. American, all the chips in the PC. It is Saturday, the 10th day of February, on a Domini 2024, and you, you lucky people, you're listening to Sound Bites. I'm Nick Francesco. I'm Dave Enright. And I'm Steve Ray. And in five minutes after the hour, we are going to be bringing you news, views, things to choose, knuckles, kick off your shoes, don't get the blues. Have you paid your dues? Here comes the news. Gong hei fat choi. Gong hei fat choi to you, too, which I... Pronounced very badly, and I apologize. Yeah. Uh, Chromebooks and MacBooks are among the least repairable laptops around, according to an analysis that Consumer Advocacy Group U.S. Public Interest Research Group, or PIRG, shared this week. Apple and Google have long been criticized for selling devices that are deemed harder to repair than others. Worse, PIRG believes that the two companies are failing to make laptops easier to take apart and fix. The Fail to Fix 2024 report released this week, is largely based on the repairability index scores required of laptops and some other electronics sold in France. However, the PIRG's report weighs disassembly scores more than the other categories in France's index, like the availability and affordability of spare parts, because we think this better reflects what consumers think a repairability score indicates and because the other categories can be country-specific, the report said. PIRG scores, like France's repairs in that repair index, also factor in the availability of repair documents and product-specific criteria. The PARG report also looks at phones. For laptops, these criteria include providing updates and the ability to reset software and firmware. PIRG examined 139 laptop models and concluded that Chromebooks, while more affordable than other, other devices, continued to be less repairable than other laptops. The report looked at 10 Chromebooks from Acer, Asus, Dell, and HP and gave Chromebooks an average repair score of uh, 6.3 compared to 7.0 for all other laptops. Please note that 7.0 isn't particularly good either. Yeah, it's not that high. Turning to its breakdown of non-Chrome OS laptops, PIRG ranked Apple laptops the lowest in terms of repairability with a score of D, as in doggone it, that's bad putting it behind Asus with a B+, Acer with a B, Dell, Microsoft, <clears throat> HP, and Lenovo. In this week's report, Apple got the lowest average disassembly score out of the OEMs, 4 out of 10, compared to the 7.3 average. It's unsurprising to see MacBooks at the bottom of PRG's list. Apple has long been criticized for designs that might sacrifice ease of repairability for design or technical needs. But with many states moving toward right-to-repair legislation over the past couple of years, Apple has recently been making an about-face when it comes to the right to repair. Apple did boost its disassembly, laptop documentation, parts availability, and parts pricing scores, but that wasn't enough to bring it to a respectable repairability score in PARG's eyes. PARG found that the laptops it examined for this year's report are, on average, harder to disassemble than the machines examined last year, with the average disassembly score dropping from 7.5 to 7.3, which indicates the manufacturers are failing to design laptops that are easier to disassemble and repair. The easiest to repair laptops came from Asus with a B+, followed by Acer, Dell, Microsoft, HP, Lenovo, and at the bottom, 
apple with a D. So our poll of the week, as opposed to apple with an A, it's apple with a D. Uh, our poll of the week at soundbites.org, that's Bites with a Y, Francis would like us to remind you, is MacBooks, Chromebooks, worst in repairability analysis. The choices are, who keeps a laptop long enough to repair it? I have several dead Apple laptops. Chromebooks are cheap enough to toss. This is why I buy other brands. And my Osborne one is working fine. Thanks. Uh, so far, we've got 25 votes, and this is why I buy other brands is number one. Followed by Chromebooks are cheap enough to toss. I'm the only person who said I have several dead Apple laptops. Well, that just goes to the whole thing of, <clears throat> like we were talking last week. But before you do that, give us a call, 585-966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299. Toll free, 800-790-0415. But they don't make money if they make them to last and repairable. Right. They uh, want to sell you new the better and later, you know, fastest machine going. Right. And I have seen a lot of very damaged computers that people tried to repair themselves. Right. No, and that's, but part of that is because you can't. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that's part of it. Well, and then, well, we, it's just unplugging the you connector. You don't have the spludger and you don't have the special. Yeah. Most of the time, it's in, in, instead of unplugging the connector, they yank on it and it rips the wires out right. of the socket. Okay. Right. Or when, uh, you know, they were going for the power thing, they'd plug it in and then, yep. you know, ruin that. And then they bring it in and you tell them, all right, well, to do this um, repair on this laptop to charge the power supply, you know, the charger. It's going to, you know, yep. we're going to charge you good four, four or five hours. Well, why? It's right there. Right. I go, yeah, you know how much we got to do to take this thing completely apart and flip that motherboard over to get at that part? And then unsolder and solder something that was done by a machine and at then the nanometer all, size. Yep. And then put all those GD screws back in. Right, right. Oh, that was a nightmare. Oh, and they and they do it. Look, and the and and I gotta say, like I said, I'm the only person who said I have several dead Apple laptops. As as you may know, for years, stopped during the pandemic. But for years, I was putting together. I was getting old laptops and putting um, um, either Linux or or later on Chrome OS Flex on them, and then sending them to places like Tanzania with Doctors Without Borders and like that for for people to use in those little villages for this for the villagers to keep um and over the years i got many many laptops and of all of them the only ones no matter how old they were that died were the apple laptops and every single one of them died because the thermal paste let, let go mm -hmm. i mean come on the thermal paste well it's it Dry, well, dries up, heats up, uh, well, flakes out. Uh, yeah, you know if 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 other laptops can manage to be twenty years old and the thermal paste is still good, mm -hmm. you would think that Apple, who's supposed to be the best in the business and has the best components in the business, could get a decent thermal paste. Yeah, but when they farm it out to third party, well, it's it's I don't know what the reason is, but it's it's those are the ones that I, I and 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 to to the point of this article i'm not taking them apart to fix them mm -hmm. i'm just i'm just not it's just it's nuts if i ever get them apart it's going to be to pull out the the solid state drive and then 
well, send I, the rest to the <clears throat> recyclers. I, 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 there's nothing else I can do with them. Yeah, I don't know how Steve did it, but, I mean, we used to take this brown paper. We had this yep. roll of brown butcher paper, and we'd set it out, and we'd draw a bunch of squares. Yep. And then, um, you know, mark where those little screws came from. And nobody went near that bench. You stayed away. It was far enough away. Didn't have to bump it. Right. The screws. We eventually wound up getting like little trays. Lori found these trays. We had a bunch of trays, but still not. It takes a lot of time to get every one of those freaking screws out. And again, if you don't have the right tools, and of course, Apple uses the non-standard Torx well, tools. Yeah, Nobody but, else uses them. That's non-standard. Well, uh, Sony and Nintendo use them because I see the same thing when you buy the tool sets. You know, used for yeah. Apple, uh, since Sony, uh, um, uh, PlayStation, and Nintendo. European yeah, yeah, standards. Yeah, yeah, right. European. Uh, they're using what is generally speaking non-standard tool set, and it's 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 form of metric, annoying. isn't it? What it's form of a metric? Yeah. Yeah, it's well, it's their their torx metric, connectors. So, so a typical ish. slotted head, you know, it's got two connectors. The Phillips head has four. The the torx has five connectors, so you get yeah. better grip on all of it. Right. The weird one is that I didn't say it was bad. Yeah. I just said it was not different. There's torx that have pointy ends, right? And then there's the pentalobe that have rounded ends, right? Yeah. And if you get the wrong one, you can't get a grip. Yeah. And and you strip either the screw, the screwdriver, or both. Yeah. Right. And that's why I miss good old Sears. I used to go. Yep. We used to go over to Sears. They sold a lot of those Torx drivers. We had, and you used to be able to get the small ones yeah. for taking hard drives and all that apart. And we had a complete set. And if you happen to strip one of that, we just go back to Sears, get another one, get another one over at Lawrence. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh. But it. It. I'm sorry, but it annoys me. You would think that a company with Apple's reputation for quality. Would be using a better thermal paste. Maybe it was part of the uh, um, uh, problem with the bad capacitor runs. There was that huge surge of uh, counterfeit capacitors. Where the, when they stole the design, they didn't get it all. Right. Because <laughs> right, all right. the caps started blowing. Maybe the same company put out super cheap thermal paste that everyone used. Maybe. Well, but it's Apple. I mean, yeah. none of the other laptops I have had that problem. I, I hear from people today, to this day, from from those places that. Say, you know, I'm writing on that laptop you sent me 10 years ago, yep. which was already 20 years old. And for them, it's a, it's a godsend. It's a great thing. Mm-hmm. And they're still using it. I don't know how the hard drive is still running, but it is. God bless them. And they're, you know, they're in Africa where mm-hmm. it's probably warmer than it is here. Yeah. I found an article on uh, Tom's Hardware um, where uh, a company in Germany discovered some 20-year-old thermal paste in the back of the drawer. Um, and decided to test it and see what would happen. And what happened? I'm reading. Ah. Uh, 50% silicon, 20% carbon, 30% metal oxide. Uh, yeah, so the, it starts to break down. I've, I've, I've seen it get um, uh, uh, stiffer rather than flowing out of the syringe. Right. It, uh, it oozes out of the syringe. Um, we haven't changed much in thermal paste over the last 20 years. They said, yeah, it was still effective. Right. And you gave me some thermal paste, yeah. which I used, and it was fine. But what an annoyance to take apart a Mac and do yep. that and put it all back together and get it working again. Yeah. I just I can't do it anymore. And I've done everything from the, from the old white laptops, the yeah. thick white laptops, to the new MacBook Airs and everything else. And it's just, 
It's yep. ridiculous. Most things these days are designed for um, component repair rather than, right. um, uh, uh, not, not, I'm sorry, board repair, not component repair. Right. Yeah. So your logic board has a problem. That's everything. So, you know, like Dave was saying, you know, the power connector, that's on the logic board. So right. it's easy to replace that one part. Right. It's expensive to replace that one part, right. but it's a lot easier. And a lot of this stuff is getting uh, to where, you know, I mean, you used to have ICs and all this other uh, diodes and all that that you could slip through. Yep. Now they're little tiny chips, and you literally need a microscope because now they're using a product what they call liquid solder. Right. And you have to put a little of it on there, set the chip in there, and this is working under a microscope right. to get it in place and then hit a heat gun just right so you don't blow it off the board, but yet it winds up fusing. Right. And you better not put too much liquid solder mm-hmm. on because then you start shorting out Short, everything yeah, else cross, yeah, cross, next to it. Because things are, like I said, nanometers apart. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, at any rate, I know Apple makes great products, but their thermal paste sucks. And, and I, I tend to liken it a lot to the car industry. Mm-hmm. It used to be everyone would work on their own cars. Change your own oil, you know, change your own tires. You could change right. spark plugs. You could do tune-ups. Water. Heat, uh, water. Yeah, everyone used to do all that themselves. Thermostats. Uh, these days, hardly anyone does. Um, and we've, we've gotten out of that habit and left it to the repair shops. Right. Well, so it's our because car you man- can't get at them. I car mean- manufacturers have... As a result, I think, made it a little harder to get to things. I can remember my 57 Ford. I could sit in the wheel well and wrench on it. Now they got the engine turned sideways and, you know, the air conditioning and all this other stuff on it. There's no way. It used to be the only thing I couldn't do on my own car was pull the fan Mm -hmm. because I didn't have a a fan puller. Oh, yeah, pulley. Right. That's the only thing I didn't have is the only thing I couldn't do on my car. I used to say the only difference between me so, and the repair shop is they've got better tools. Yep. Not I, anymore. I got Mm-mm. a kick out of, uh, uh, I saw a picture once of some Ferrari, you know, most of the supercars have these really pointed noses. Right. So there's no room for the battery. So the battery in this Ferrari was inside the front wheel well. And to get to the battery, you had to take the entire wheel assembly off and the fender to get into. So, so changing the battery was $1,000. One time at work, I won't mention the woman's name, but we were coming, a couple of us were coming out of work and her car was, her truck, her giant truck was sitting in the parking lot with the hood up. And I walked over to close the hood because it shouldn't really yeah. be open. And <laughs> she pops out of the inside <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> where she'd been doing some work. Some work. <laughs> Scared the living oozit out of me. Oh, yeah. But she was completely disappeared inside that engine. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw a picture of a you know a 1950 Ford against a you know 2023 Ford, and it's like three times bigger. Right, right, right. <laughs> and four times the price. Well, I right. can say I remember. <clears throat> excuse me, changing the water pump on my 57 Ford, and you you were a, a, able to very easily pull out the radiator and then sit right there in the wheel well and pull out the water pump. Yep. You know, no problem. You could do it in a couple hours. Right. Nowadays, they got to drop the whole GD engine. Yep. Yep. All right. We should go to the phones. Our first caller is Fred from Rochester, New York. What's up, Fred? Hey, good afternoon, guys. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, I've, I've got a little bit of a, um, I guess I, I really don't even know how to frame the question quite accurately, but I'm going to give it a go. 
Okay. Uh, I am I am thinking about a new PC. Um, at work, I use a software called uh, Fusion 360 for uh, CAD CAM right. uh, CNC machining. And uh, I'd like to be able to do some of that from home. For a good long time now, I've been doing everything either on my phone or with a Chromebook. Uh, the only PC that I was using is one that they bought at work. But I'm thinking about expanding. And the Fusion does not have a version that will work on Linux or, uh, um, or a um, Chromebook. So uh, Windows, ver- Windows, it requires Windows, preferably Windows 11, some high-end uh, graphics. It does a little bit more. They, they don't, integrated graphics is still okay with that particular software uh, if you've got a decent machine right yeah because i was going to say you definitely the two things for any cad program we used to always tell folks is the graphics card don't skimp on the graphics Mm -hmm. card and the memory yeah on on autodesk's website their recommendation if you have a integrated graphics card you need six gigs of video memory with a dedicated graphics card one gig is enough right yeah right they do have a linux version i'm looking at that one that will run on some chromebooks uh, Not well. Have, uh, yeah. Well, yes and no. They have a student version, but you have to be uh, some kind of proof that you're actually going to school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what that one. It's is. a watered down version. Oh, and that's yeah. Well, so they have an iOS and Android version too that will. Um, uh, uh, you can view files, but you can't do yeah, editing. Can yeah, files. Mac, can Mac or Windows for editing. So going back to right. your question though, as far as getting it, say a, a laptop. You know, definitely. Pardon? A desktop? Yeah, I don't need to go anywhere with it. Okay, Um, then definitely splurge on the graphics card and memory. If you're going to put your money anywhere, because most machines nowadays come at least with a a terabyte hard drive. Yeah. And then Um, go for a higher-end graphics card and the memory, and you will have... (coughs) Excuse me, because... All right, you're working one with a very complicated program, and if you're trying to do this over the internet, back to your work, that speed is just going to help make things work a lot simpler for you. The machine, the machine that I have at work uh, is um, is an HP, one of the mini. Sure. Boxes. Yeah, the, the mini first, boxes. First, Pizza box. I thought, yeah, first, no, it's it's even smaller than that. It's like. Uh, Oh, I don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the first time I saw it, I thought it was just a uh, a, a hub for mm-hmm. cables. Yeah. I looked at it and going, "That's a computer." <laughs> yeah. Uh, Turn my head sideways and going, "What?" Uh, so, and it's uh, it's an HP. It's got uh, the 12th gen uh, i7, 16, uh, 16 gigabytes of RAM. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it works. It works well. Works probably better, you know, as well as uh, needed. Yeah, and but I'm you're but you're also trying to plan for the future. So yeah, if exactly, you know, it's sixteen there. I would go thirty two at home. And like I say, the graphics card is where it gets t- uh, tricky because they can be pretty darn expensive, but you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. 
And the more money you put into that and the memory, you know, it's going to kick butt not only for right now, because let's face it, you know as well as I do, by next year, there's going to probably be some revision to that program, and they're going to demand more. Right. Because Windows 12 is going to be coming out next year. Yeah, I'm. I'm really. Back in the day, I used to like Windows. Um, it, it worked. It did what I needed to do. And I've always been more with um, learning the software than I was the hardware. And my college years, uh, a friend of mine was the, the, the hardware guru, and 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 I helped others with their software mm-hmm. uh, formatting, formatting and stuff. Yep. And yeah, he just he did he did miracles with stuff. You take six junks computers and make three good ones out of it. But so definitely, uh, what my advice to you well, would be: do your homework, shop around. Don't go with the very first one. You know, print some pages off and do some yeah. comparisons. You really want a graphics card with a gig of VRAM or more, yeah, and at least six gigs of regular RAM. That's what Autodesk is recommending. Okay. And we always say double the recommendations for real world and then triple it to plan for the future. Right. Okay. But that's that's you and, know those are minimums. And you can you can use the Mac version. You don't have to go with Windows if you don't want to as well. Yeah. With similar um uh, uh system requirements. Right. Well, I was I was thinking if I'm buying a new PC and I I it'd probably be a good time to start playing with uh with with Linux. Well, uh, yeah, there is. You can also, uh, because they're free, you can play around with some of the alternatives. Well, and and Fusion Three Hundred and Sixty has a free thirty day trial too. Right, well, right, but right. That doesn't doesn't help if you're looking to buy a new computer. Yeah, but right. the thing of it is, though, is what you could do dual purpose. You go ahead and get yourself the new machine and put the uh, latest version of the system on that. Meanwhile, you take that old box. And put Linux on that, and puts around with that at your leisure to see how it performs. His old box is a Chromebook, though. Yeah, yeah, but can he throw? Not really. Mm. It's, uh, it's already ninety percent Linux, right? What? It's it's like ninety percent right. Linux underneath. Linux. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the th- you can you can run Linux on it, but it, you know it's going to be a maximum of four gig, and it's really going to have a low end graphics card. But one of the things that you can do is run FreeCAD. Try that. There's a Mac version, a Windows version, a Linux version. Um, uh, so you can you can play with that. But if you're looking to to actually buy Fusion 360, go with that recommendation of a minimum of one gig of VRAM and six gigs of regular RAM in a dedicated graphics card in a tower or well in a non laptop. Box. Autodesk also makes a program called Tinkercad, which is a 3D modeling program that runs in your browser. I use that uh, all the time for yeah. Uh, well, the good news is uh, my work has bought me a license. That's I was just about to say, yeah, and that's the next thing. It's like seven hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars a year, is it for AutoCAD? Yeah, yeah probably something like that. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's it. I, I have the license. I use it either at work or at home. I can. Right. I can't be in two places at one time anyway, so you know I use it one or the other. I right. have to remember to I have to remember to log out. Yeah. Right, uh, right, right. Not not leave it running, and then I can't get into it. But um, but generally was, speaking, for what we got to go, but for what okay. what you need for your laptop, for your desktop, 
the most RAM you can afford, the biggest hard drive you can afford, the fastest I'd, processor you can afford. But I'd go mostly to S- SSD, not spinning drive. SSD drive, absolutely. And most importantly, uh, a graphics card with a minimum of one gig of VRAM, video RAM, and six gigs of regular RAM, and more is better. Okay. Um, the, the, the HP mini boxes are recent. Yeah, well, they're all the same nowadays. They've all got essentially a laptop uh, hard drive in them. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, have fun. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with Dave Enright, Steve Ray, me, Nick Francesco, and you. It's 29 minutes after the hour. Give us a call, 585-966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299. Toll-free, 800 seven nine zero zero four one five and we'll be back with a whole lot more of the longest running computer show in the known universe sound bites on member supported jazz 90.1 Online 24 hours a day, seven days a week at soundbites.org. More with Nick Francesco, Dave Enright, and Steve Ray next on member-supported Jazz 90.1. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Nick Francesco. I'm Dave Enright. And I'm Steve Ray. And at 35 minutes after the hour, we are Soundbites. Before we get to the phones, I should remind everybody <laughs> that Monday is Clean Out Your Computer Day. Nah. Nah. Maybe not do that. But absolutely, um, update your antivirus and malware software. Do a complete scan of your computer and make sure you've got good backups and make one more just to be safe. Check those backups back again. Let's make sure there's actually files on them. That's, That's the big thing. Yeah. A lot of people, I've, I've, I've said this before, we had a, 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 an issue at one of the places where I worked where... Um, they had absolutely no backups of email, and the email server went down. And you don't mess with people's email. Yeah. You do not. And what had happened was every night the backup ran, and the first line of the report, the log, was backup completed successfully. The second line of the log was zero files backed up. Nobody looked at the second line. Yeah, it was successful. The, mm-hmm. the completion was successful. Yeah. It didn't crash. Yep. That's what that means. We had a customer come in uh, um, a while ago and wanted us to clean out his computer. He wanted to start fresh. And said, you're sure? Yeah. And you've got a backup of everything you want? Yeah. You're sure? Yeah. So we did. Comes back last week and says, I need this stuff back. All right. Bring us your backup drive. Backup drive corrupted. Yep. Couldn't get anything off it. Well, how about I've, I've got this other hard drive. Can you get that? We'll try. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's all you can do. All you can do. The odds of your main drive and your backup drive corrupting at the same time are low, but possible. Right. But never zero. Never zero. And as as soon as you delete it from your main drive, you not only have one copy, so there's no backup anymore. That's right. That's no longer a backup. It's your only copy. Well, especially if your original drive is messed up anyways, and you're backing that up to the backup drive. Right. That's not going to help improve it at all. That's exactly right. So, So backup... Back up your backup, and then back up that. All right, to the phones. Our next caller is Bill from Greece, New York. What's up, Bill? You guys are just the best. I want you to know I am a member. Thank you. That's what we love to hear. I have a question. I'm hoping maybe you can save me some money because I'm thinking of doing something which is a little wild in my mind. (laughs) I'm thinking of getting what's called a mini computer. Oh, yeah. 
and attaching that to my 42-inch uh, flat TV. And I'm hoping that maybe I can use a USB drive and put a persistent Linux on it and then be able to boot into different Linux com uh, drives from the, uh, from the mini computer. Uh, and I'm thinking of getting Windows 11. Now, are there some pitfalls? Am I crazy, or should I stop right now? Well, Bill, whether or not you're crazy is completely a separate question from, <laughs> from We don't this. go there. Well, I am crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a mini computer right now, and it could today replace my desktop. Um, it, you want – mini doesn't mean underpowered. It can, though, so it be can. careful. It can, so be careful. You're absolutely right. Uh, you want at least an i7, uh, an i5 if you're playing, right? If it's not, if it's not mission critical, right, right, right. You can go with an i5, but I prefer an i7. You want at least 8 gigs of RAM and, of course, um, um, all those hard drives that you can boot into. Um, but, Booting. yeah, I, I have a mini PC. I have, it's an Intel NUC, N-U-C. Yeah, Next. that's an expensive one. Well, I bought <laughs> mine used. Uh, I have a lot of used computers. Um, Nothing wrong with the used? Because you know how to fix them. That's we People ask right. us that. Should I buy a used computer? Okay, but if you know how to this, fix them, yeah, right. it, it helps. This will go to my 42-inch uh, uh, flat screen? Almost, yes. Yeah, almost all of them come with HDMI ports. Yeah, right. yeah. as long as it has an HDMI port, you're good. Okay, then the it, next question. The, well, the trick on HDMI, is it is it uh, 1080 or is it 2K or is it 4K? 4K. Right. And so that depends. Well, the the... TV might be 4K, but the the lower end computers might only be 1080. No, I'm looking at one that's a 4K. Yeah, so you got to make okay. sure you look on that on the specs. Okay, now with this Windows 11, if I make a persistent Linux on a USB drive, is that going to be just a plug and play, or do I have to go into the BIOS and change a lot of settings in order to switch to the Linux? It depends on the BIOS, and I can't tell you until I without seeing the BIOS. But with many of them. There is a key you can press during boot up that brings up a boot menu. Right, right. It shows you all the bootable drives that are connected, and you pick the one you want. Booting from a USB drive is going to be a little slower than booting from the internal SATA drive. Yeah. But um, it's an NVMe. Yeah. Right. Right. And 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 if if they're um, USB three, yeah. that's certainly faster than two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would I would say that um, assuming you can. Um, there's some sort of key press during boot up, F12, yeah. F2, escape. I think I think I'm supposed to turn off secure boot, fast boot, and uh, one other thing in order to do it. Some of that is for the Windows uh, the TPM module, the Trusted Platform module, which yeah. is prevents anything else from running on a Windows computer, at, at, which is a safeguard in Windows. Uh -huh. But if you want to run other OSs, you got to turn all that off. Right. Yeah. Is that going to damage anything? No. Turning that on and off. Mm -mm. No. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's just a. It's just a bit flip. So basically, I'm going to be in Linux most of the time. So I'll just have that set up, and I can just pop any Linux uh, distribution I want to play with. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. And uh, a few weeks ago, one of your callers mentioned Distro C, and I've been over there, and that's real interesting for trying. Linux and the first man to call, I don't know if he could go to the distro C and pop in a Linux on his browser and then see if his CAD program would run on that. That's true. You could do that. That's that's exactly right. Um, I don't know. I don't think it would be very fast, but it would certainly be. 
instructive as to whether or not yeah. it works. Okay, I want to thank you for the help, and I want you to know that I love donating to you guys because you have done so much. I, I've been with you guys since you started with Bob Smith. Yep, I, I appreciate that, Bill. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, I recognize his voice. We love our members. Uh, yeah, well, you can, um, those mini PCs, which are not necessarily less expensive, but certainly smaller mm-hmm. uh, than regular PCs, can do everything the, the regular PCs can do. Um, uh, you have to be a little careful in terms of what you have for cooling. Yeah, you because, don't want to put them in a cabinet where there's right, no airflow. Right. Uh, you want them. You want because you know if you've got a if you've got a full blown tower, you've got lots of room for air to f- to circulate, and uh, uh, if the thing starts to overheat, if you're running CAD programs or you know playing a huge game, et cetera, et cetera, those chips can get hot, but they're cooled off by the multiple fans and yeah. the. Uh, amount of air circulation that's available. And I never like those computer desks with, with the towers uh, you put yeah, into a cabinet and then close the oh, door. Dumbest idea. Yeah, yeah, it's really. Just, it's a recipe for overheating. Dumbest idea. Uh, so if you're gonna if you're gonna run a mini PC for something high end processing wise, so something that will uh, take a lot of processing power, you want to make sure that it's open all around. Maybe even you know get a cookie tin, a cookie. Tr- um, the, the not the tray the the thing you cool cookies on the rack cookie rack that's open on the bottom and sits on a few legs put mm-hmm. it on that let it have like flow a, all the way around three hundred sixty degrees a passive cooling get a capacitive like or, or even or, an active cooling right yeah. exactly right so yeah. uh, you, those are the things you have to be aware of with a mini PC same things you have to be aware of with a laptop. They they put out an awful lot of heat now and don't have a lot of cooling. We we've been trying to say to stop saying laptop for years and either notebook or portable because they've been too hot to put on your lap for a long time. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, back to the phones. Our next caller is Don from Pittsburgh, New York. What's up, Don? Hi, friends. Two questions. Uh, one, can you recommend a program, free or paid, for PC that uh, I can use to record? both audio and video stream programs, uh, programs that uh, might be uh, uh, sound videos, demos, this kind of thing, uh, for viewing later. Total Recorder, right? Total Recorder will yeah. do that. Uh, it's um, uh, Now, where is it? That's a good question. TotalRecorder.com. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, you used to only do audio, but they, uh, they've added video. Right, so totalrecorder.com. Um, uh, the, uh, you can download it for free, but to get all the features, you have to pay for it. But what you can do is, if, now, where is this audio and video coming from? Is it coming over the Internet? Yes, it would be, uh, it would be something that, you, uh, that I would watch on a PC and, uh, you know, be able to pipe to a television. But mainly I would like to record the program both sound and uh, picture yeah it says it can record from the directly from the screen from streaming services from video broadcasts right so total recorder is your product sound recorder you say total recorder total recorder at totalrecorder.com steve's going to put a link on the uh, on our website uh, but we we used uh, for for many years when I was decades. That yeah. thing right. is at it least has, when I was two a, decades old. Yeah. It's got when a scheduling 
um, component on it. Yeah. Right, it has a scheduling component. For, for many years when I was still a Windows guy, that's the program I used to record this show. Yeah, I did too. I, I had it set up to automatically start my recorders because I'd, you know, at home make a copy and then move it to tape. Right. So um, it also lets you convert between audio among among audio formats, uh, both audio and video formats. Actually, you can process digital audio and you can record sound in a microphone or uh, the wherever wherever. It's it's ludicrously useful. I, every time I every time I I look at it, I think. Really, it does all of that, mm-hmm. and even the pay version is pretty cheap. It's it's eighteen dollars, eighteen bucks, yeah, for the pay, and the pro version is only fifty. Is this is this program far superior to Audacity, which I have? But yes, I, but I believe that that pretty much only records audio. Only audio, yeah. Audacity only records audio, and it doesn't have a scheduling component. Oh, I'm sorry. What is a scheduling component? Well, if you know of a particular program that's going to be coming on at a certain time, especially in the middle of the night, you can say, yeah. start re- like a VCR, start recording at 2 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh. Say so this, you know, I want, I, here's, the, here's the URL that I want to record. It starts at 2 a.m. and it ends at 3. Yeah. So say somebody's doing a podcast at night and they're overseas and you want to capture it, you can schedule it to go to that URL. And record it, and then that way in the morning you can wake up and listen to it. And that's part of the program itself, right? Yes. Wonderful. The paid version. I, I will I will check that out. Let's say go to question number two. And that is, uh, I'm looking for a fast way to transfer data, uh, photos, etc., from one computer to another rather than uh, recording them on a jump drive or auxiliary and then taking that and loading that onto the second computer. That's usually the fastest way. You can do networking, which is easier, but typically slower. Really? I was thinking that uh, the fastest way might be with a uh, Ethernet cable uh, between the two computers. It depends on the speed of the Internet card in your computer and the speed of the um, router in your network. So I have gigabit Ethernet cards in my machines, and I have a gigabit router. I can move data at near a gigabit uh, um, to, per second to, to move data. But um, um, And so that's pretty fast. And if you can mount one drive onto the other computer, you can just drag and drop. And frankly... Um, once that starts, you can just go do something else and let yeah. it run in the background. It doesn't matter how long. Well, it takes. the other advantage is, say you have uh, you know literally thousands of photos, and you get yourself a one terabyte portable drive. Make sure it should be three. Yeah. That the biggest issue with flash drives is is almost all of them are USB two. You have to go out of your way to find a USB three. Right. And USB two flash drives are really slow. Really slow. So right. you go ahead and you copy it all to that flash drive. Then you take that flash drive and you go, or you know, and hook it up to the other computer, and copy it, copy it. Don't move it. Copy it over to the next drive. So now you've got an extra backup in case something happens to any one of those photos. Yeah, I have, I have a, um, a two or three terabyte auxiliary uh, solid state drive that is USB 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, it has a connector, and I'm sorry, I don't know the exact terminology, but it has that small oval connector that plugs in 
to, and I'm told that it's even ten times faster. USB C. Well, it's probably Type C. Yeah. yeah. So it's so it's, it's three. It's USB three point one protocol with a Type C connector. Right. So that's capable of ten gigabits uh, versus the one gigabit on your Ethernet. Assuming you have the right chips yeah. in your computer. Three point one on the computer too. Right. Okay, but is the Type C connect uh, uh, device? much faster than simply the USB as we just said if, no. if if as we just said if it's USB 3.1 device and a USB 3.1 connection in the machine yes. it will be a little bit faster mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter whether it's a type A or a type C right uh, those are uh, the, the that has no bearing on the speed it's the protocol in, in the cable. Your cable has to be 3.1, your computer has to be 3.1, the device has to be 3.1. Oh, there's a difference in cable as well. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Typically, USB 3 cables are blue inside. They have a blue connector yes. on uh-huh. the inside, but not always. Right. <laughs> okay, well, we've got a lot of uh, USB cables here, but uh, I fear that maybe many of them are old-fashioned. Right, and if they're USB 2, they will be no faster than USB 2, no matter what they're connected to. Which is 500 megabit. Right, it's the same It's the same idea of the weakest link. Yeah. Right, in this case, it's the slowest link. Okay, but in any event, uh, with USB 3.1, you're faster to do it to a good solid-state jump, uh, solid-state auxiliary drive, rather than direct connect ether, Ethernet cable. Yep. It's usually yeah. It's often more convenient to do it over Ethernet because you you just drag it in once and it, and you go away and come back. If, when you drag it onto a flash drive, then you go away and come back. Move it to the other computer, drag it again, go away and come back. Right. But you have to to drag. You have to see both computers uh, mirrored on the on one of them that you're transferring data from. Well, you mount a shared folder. So on, on yeah. one of the computers, you create a shared folder and then mount it on the other computer. Okay. And just All drag right. and drop and walk away. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Appreciate the information as always. Thanks. Yep. And it looks like um, USB 3.2 is capable of 20 gigabits. Yeah. So now we're, you know, it's, it's getting up into Thunderbolt 4 speed of, of uh, 80. Right. So Thunderbolt is still faster than USB, and USB is still cheaper than Thunderbolt. <laughs> right, exactly. The other thing is um, the speed at which you can move data is mitigated by the speed at which the data can be written. Right. So when you get to the other computer, it buffers some of it, then it writes it, then it buffers some, and it writes it. And it can also be dependent on what type of files. You try to copy right. a... Uh, a thousand different files of of, of uh, one meg each is going to be a lot slower than copying one file that's a gigabyte, right? Because it ha- doesn't have to start and stop each file every uh, all the way along, right? Right, and and uh, part of that starting and stopping is also then updating the directory and et yep. cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it takes longer to it takes a less time to to send one terabyte file a one terabyte file. Than ten thousand files that equal one terabyte. Yep. Because that of the extra overhead. All right, back to the phones. Our next caller is Mark from Greece, New York. What's up, Mark? Hi guys, how are you today? Peachy, how are you? Too good. Two things. Uh, you mentioned uh, Steve mentioned about the desk with the doors on it. Yeah. The quick workaround is is I just don't put the doors on it. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. The easiest thing, and that's what I did with mine. I just never mounted the door. You want to make sure there's enough air coming in the front and going out the back. Yep, and then usually the back, they have those little punch-outs. Yep. I just cut mine. Punch the whole thing out. Punch the whole thing out. Exactly right. It's it's funny how much of that back... Like cardboard you nail on is part of the structural integrity of the whole thing. Well, there's that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I left some at the bottom and some at the top, but most of it's open. Captain, the structural integrity field is failing. Right. (laughs) I used the hole saw and cut a bunch of holes in it so that it still had some structural integrity. Well, I've also seen folks take, uh, when you used to be able to go to Goldcrest or that, is they go there, get a muffin fan. I used to do that too. Yep. Yeah. Grab a hold of a muffin fan, extend the wires, and on inside the, your case, there's usually jumpers where you can get extra power from. Hook it up to there or to the you know, existing one, so you got another fan drawing the air out. Right, exactly. Do you know the muffin fan? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to start singing it. Yeah. Another thing I have is I have a USB fan that helps circulate the air out of yeah, the exactly. cabinet. I was just going to suggest the USB fan, back. too. Yeah. Second thing is, is uh, anybody who's looking for mini PCs, um, uh, there's been a lot of problems with ones on Amazon, so be careful. Uh, so a lot of them are out of China, and yep. people are reporting a lot of junk in there, uh, malware and Trojans. Yep, yep. And uh, really the only way around it is to format it before you even do anything with it. And be careful what you format because a lot of the malware is in the recovery system. Yeah, and, you and, have to download your own ISO. Right, and, and not only and, that, but you also have to be aware that often when you reformat a drive, it doesn't reformat the uh, um, recovery thing, right and, you... and and you want to do a um not a quick format right a low level format which actually overwrites the data that's right there. yeah but the smartest thing i would do because they're cheap enough i just buy a new mvme yeah new drive Stick and throw the there. old one away yeah just get rid of the old one that's exactly right because they're they're cheap enough now well then you got to worry about the counterfeit uh uh drives so far it's mostly flash drives but i i would imagine the same thing could happen in uh, in um, uh, regular solid state drives, where it's it's really a sixteen meg card that tells the computer it's sixteen gig or sixteen terabytes. Yeah, <laughs> that sixteen is. terabyte SSD for fifty bucks is uh, is a really good deal. It's a really yeah. good deal. <laughs> USB drives that that they do that you, you you copy to it and it looks like it's copying yep. everything, but as you're copying, it's deleted what you've already put on there. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it, they're real tricky. So, but uh, yeah, if you're looking for a mini PC, be careful what you do. Yep. It, it, it happened with my son and I. Uh, we got a mini PC, and uh, it was one of the ones that they were talking about, and we had to do a lot of things to to counteract it. So. Yep, you're absolutely right. It's be been aware. it's been a problem. Yep. Okay. All right. Have a good day, guys. Thanks, Mark. You too. Bye bye. Yeah. Well, uh, if it's too good to be true, it probably, probably is. is. Yeah, um, you know, it's you got to be you got to be more wary than you used to have to be. And and you can't trust the reviews. That's the one time I think right. I mentioned it before. That There's a lot some, of scams out there. Somebody wrote a a, a, le- a legitimate review on how bad one of these fraudulent cards was, and Amazon took it down, saying there's no proof. Right. When I bought my Nook, I bought my Nook, and and you see the next unit of computing, the little mini computer I've got. 
I bought it off of eBay. And the seller had like a million, you know, mm-hmm. great reviews and yada, yada, yada. But the first thing, I was absolutely certain I was getting ripped off because it was very cheap. I got everything I had asked for. It had a yep. gig of RAM. It had a terabyte hard drive. I mean, it had everything I had asked for. Uh, an i7 processor, yada, yada, yada. But I could just as easily have been ripped yeah. off. Um, and, and then, you know, it would have been up to me to find the guy and, and send it's, a couple of my relatives over with baseball bats. It's like that old story where the, where the guy finds, you know, Lamborghini for sale for $1,000 and, and goes up to the woman saying, what are you selling it so cheap for us? Well, my husband ran off with the secretary and he told me to sell the car and send them the money. Yeah. So I am. <laughs> right. All right. On that note, uh, the first hour of this show is in the books, but don't despair there's a whole nother hour of the longest running computer show in the known universe coming your way that's another hour of dave enright i'm sorry another hour of steve ray another hour of nick francesco and another hour of you if you give us a call 585-966-JAZZ that's 966-5299 toll free 800-790-0415 take a quick bio break get yourself an adult or uh, or not beverage and we'll be back with a whole nother hour of sound bites right here on the truly great and truly grateful to you because it is your soul support that keeps us on the air. Member supported Jazz 90.1. See you in just a couple of minutes. Before you call into our show, please make note of the following rules. One, turn your radio down. Two, turn your radio down lower. Three, remember, nobody has invented a good-sounding speakerphone yet. Don't use them. Four, make sure you have a point. It makes for a more interesting show. Five, calling does not guarantee you'll get on the air. No whining. Six, if you do get on the air, please do not tell the host what you just told the screener. We don't care. And seven, is that radio turned down yet? We hope this will make for a more enjoyable program, and we thank you for your time. It's America's longest-running computer show. Back to more sound bites with Nick, Dave, and Steve. Next on member-supported Jazz 90.1. WGMC Greece, Rochester. A public service of the Greece Central School District. Jazz 90.1. Celebrating 50 years on the air in Rochester. Welcome back to America's longest-running computer show, Soundbites, on member-supported Jazz 90.1. Get online now. Call 966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299. Toll-free 800-790-0415. Or submit your question by email at soundbites.org. Once again, here's Nick Francesco, Dave Enright, and Steve Ray on member-supported Jazz 90.1. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Nick Francesco. I'm Dave Henry. And I'm Steve Ray. And it's six minutes after the hour. We are hurtling headlong into the second hour of the longest-running computer show in the known universe. Sound Bites, right here on member-supported Jazz 90.1. And joining us is Ken from Rochester, New York. What's up, Ken? Hey, guys. First-time caller. Um, Thanks. I'm having a, a really frustrating problem. I'll, I'll just keep it real simple. Um, my computer is not recognizing my phone when I want to transfer files from it, and I have tried so many different things to try and fix the, the problem. Okay, what Nothing kind more. of computer? Is it a PC or a Mac? <coughs> it's a PC. Okay, it's a PC running Windows, and what kind of phone? 
It is an S23. Samsung? Yes. What okay. version of Windows? I'm sorry? What version of Windows? It's 10. 10, okay. The big trick is you have to put the phone in USB connection mode um, yep, rather that. than charging mode. <laughs> right. Does, that. does the PC chirp as it recognizes a USB device at all? It does. Okay. And then what and What seems to be charge. the error? I'm sorry? Do you get an error message? No, it just won't recognize the phone. It doesn't open a, l- a little window saying whether you want to charge it or do data transfer? Because a it lot of them, once you hook up the phone to the cable, to the uh, computer, you plug the cable into your phone, it'll open up a little window on the PC and say, all right, do you want me to charge this thing, item, or do you want to do some data transfer? Right. It doesn't necessarily open it, but I, I've gone there and checked that probably 10 different times. It's it's on file transfer. And, it's, and it doesn't show under my computer as a as a drive? It does not show, come up as okay. a drive, no. Funny Have thing you, is it'll, char- it, it'll charge, but it won't transfer files. All right. One of the things that might be the problem is the cable you're using. There are some cables right. that are not data cables. They're charge They only. are charge-only cables. Is this the cable that came with the phone, or is it something you bought separately? Um, it's actually an older cable. Um, is it what cable? But is it it's, it's oh, older? No, see, that's, yeah, no. that's that's where your problem is. Yep. The, the, there okay. are two types of uh, cables for USB, and they look identical. Of course, they do. One is data. One is charge only. And the other is data and charge. And if you've got a charge-only cable, it will never show up as a as a drive on your machine because there's no data lines to do that with. Okay, it, and, it, and does, all, it does open ADV commands. If that is an older cable, that is your problem. Okay, that is likely so to be I, your problem. Okay, so what do I look for when I go to the store? Because I was at Best Buy yesterday and just got so frustrated. Sure. Um, what you want is a USB data cable. Yeah. USB data cable. With okay. the right ends that each. Right, right, right. Probably, yeah, probably right. Take probably your phone CDA. in and tell them, yeah. you know, what you're trying. You're hooking it up to a PC, you it know, also, USB. It also looks like in the, in the Samsung um, uh, USB transfer settings, there's a secondary option where you have to tell it what you're transferring. And there's an option that says charging only or transfer images. Right, right. So you have to make sure you've got transfer turned But, yeah, turned if you're on. first, uh, uh, the first thing I would go with is since you're using an older cable that didn't come with that phone, let's go get the, the correct cable. Yeah. Save yourself a few hours of frustration and headbagging. So I, I and then make sure you've got both of those choices checked that it is uh, on the phone that it is transferring and what it is transferring. Yeah. I've posted a, a link to right. um, Galaxy 23 manual I found. Uh, Samsung has its own program called Smart Switch that yeah, will that also won't work let you. Either. Sorry, what? I can't get smart, smart Switch won't work either. Well, so because that, of the cable. Yeah, that sounds back to okay. the cable. Honest, again. we're right back to the cable. Every answer is going to be the cable. Gotcha. Okie doke. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. 
it, so it's it's a good idea to have a charging only cable if you're out somewhere and right. need to charge your phone. Um, because you don't want to plug into someone else's computer and have them suck your data off. Right. There's a there's been a problem with um, uh, uh, public charging ports, so like airports, bus stations, coffee shops, bookstores, where bad guys will put a little computer, a, a little tiny nut computer, right, with a charging port exposed for you to charge your phone, and you plug your phone in thinking it's a charger, and then it sucks all the data off your phone. Right. So I know I know the Apple um, uh, phones now have a thing. Do you want to trust this computer? When you plug into a computer, does Android do that now? Not Two, yet. Probably, not yet. So, yeah, you don't necessarily know if you're plugging into a computer or a charging port. So if you have a charging-only cable, that's the safest way to do that. Right. And so you know, definitely Ken should keep that charging-only cable, label, label it, it as yeah. such, <laughs> and then keep it for when he's out. But but he for at home, he's going to need that data transfer cable. Back to the phones. Our next caller is Larry from Rochester, New York. What's up, Larry? Good afternoon, guys. Hi. Uh, I was just listening to you talk about um, backups before the break. Um, I use iDrive um, as as a subscription system, but I also have two uh, two terabyte drives attached to my machine using um, Time Machine. But what I'm now curious about is if I delete something from my main drive, does that mean... Uh, uh, Time Machine deletes it in its next backup? No. Uh, the way Time Machine works is it keeps all of the old backups. So you can go back in time and find your file um, from before because you never know when it, it you deleted it or when it corrupted, so you can go back in time. Um, cloud services like iDrive, I'm, I'm trying to make sure here, uh, and iCloud Drive, Apple's own iCloud Drive, Google Drive, they do a sync so when you delete a file from your local computer, it is deleted from the remote sync um, service, unless that service also has an archiving feature. Or versioning. Or versioning, yeah. Um, but Time Machine is also dependent on the size of the drive. You've got two terabyte drives, yeah. so it's not as big a deal. But when a, when a Time Machine drive gets full, it deletes the oldest thing. Right, it war- yeah, warrants you're going to do that, right. and then you can get a new drive, so it keeps all of your old backups. Uh, and it looks like iDrive has a 30-day, um, no, I'm sorry, 30-version previous. So that's that's nice. that's pretty good. If you have the, if you have the room, right? Uh, okay, you said it looks like it has a 30-version. That's something I hadn't looked at. I've had it for a couple of years now. Uh, after Steve scolded me for not having backup at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. But see, there's a difference between syncing and backing up. Okay, when you what Time Machine does is a true backup, so you can go back in time, and it's a sense, essentially a snapshot of what you backed up on that date. Okay. So if you back up yesterday, and then today you delete a drive, uh, a file. Tonight's backup will not have that file, but yesterday's backup will. Oh, uh, okay. So but, <laughs> but what's the difference with syncing then? With syncing, the minute you delete that file, it gets deleted on the backup as well. On the sync. It's not really yeah. a backup. It's a, sna- the, a sync is essentially a snapshot of right now. If right now changes, the snapshot changes too. 
So if your whole computer dies, you can get everything back from your sink. Right. But if you deleted a file a month ago... It's gone. It's gone from the sink because it was deleted a month ago. Because it went down the drain. And versioning keeps versions of the... F- yeah. <laughs> versioning keeps a version of the file. So if you change a file today, you know that now there's two versions on, on iDrive. Right. And you can go back to yesterday's version. Um, but if you delete the file, there's no previous version left. Right. So without disparaging a product, then it, it looks like maybe I don't want iDrive. I, I want something else that will... Well, it's, it's, it's good for disaster recovery, and it's good as an off-site copy. Right. So if, if your fire, flood, theft, your computer dies right now, you have everything on the computer now off-site. You don't necessarily have what was on the computer yesterday. Right. So Time Machine is is better for versioning, for getting something back that you deleted last week and realize you need. And having- However, if there's a flood or a fire or a disaster, that Time Machine is sitting right next to your computer. It's going to go, too. Or a which power is, surge. Which and is then- why it's good to have multiple drives. Right. And you rotate among them um, and uh, and... You know, put one drive in a fire safe, a data proof fire safe, because paper proof fire safes are not, right. not necessarily data proof. Right. Um, and uh, and then you can rotate between them. There actually is a fire proof hard drive. There's a company called IO Safe, and okay. um, it's basically a, a, a data ready fire safe with a hard drive built into it and a Ethernet port or right. a USB port. So what you have right now is you are. The time machine lets you have versioning, so you can go back to a file you deleted a month ago. But if you have a disaster, the iDrive has all your data on it, current data on it, that you can get back. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to have both of those things. So what's, we used to joke when we were kids, if there was a fire in the house, mom's job was to grab the photo albums. Right. So now, instead of trying to grab your computer, you grab your time machine drive on the way out. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, are there any uh, subscription services that do the same thing um, as as um, uh, time machine? There are. Uh, Carbonite and Backblaze are probably two of the more popular actual backup programs rather than just um, a syncing drive. Okay. P-Cloud does P-Cloud, the versioning. I was going to say next. Does versioning, yeah. What, yeah. But it, if you delete a drive, does it keep the old versions? Uh, delete, uh, delete a file, does it keep the old versions you I deleted? so. I certainly hope so. You should try <laughs> check that out. Yeah. I will. I will do that. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to read how, um, how iDrive talks about their versioning, and it says it keeps the last 30 versions of the file. Um, but what if the file is deleted? It's not just changed. It's actually deleted. Right. But, huh. yeah, so yeah, Backblaze... Uh, and uh, Carbonite are uh, are two of the more popular um, uh, cloud backup services that do keep uh, previous versions as well. Okay. All right. Well, I'll get at it. That's why I love listening to this show. I always learn something that I didn't know. Yeah, I thought I was going to have to pull your uh, man card for saying that you weren't backing up and you had to listen to Steve. 
<laughs> yeah, he brought his computer Larry, into the shop. You're and, disappointing uh, me. Yeah. You, I thought you were this guy that was on top of everything and teaching us some stuff. Everybody that comes in the shop, oh, asks, do you have a backup? I'm shattered. Would, would you cry if everything on the computer was lost? No. And when they come I, in with a spill on their laptop, everything on the computer is probably already lost. That's exactly you right. Pretty good for not having a backup, and I've been backing up hard ever since. Yep. Good for you. So, All right, thanks, guys. Yep, thanks. Yeah, pCloud is something called pCloud Rewind, where in the free version you can go back 15 days, and in the paid version you can go back 30 days. Mm -hmm. So um, basically any of your uh, removed shared content or non-encrypted files, encrypted files are a problem basically separately, but... Non-encrypted files are fine. And it looks like iDrive does keep 30 versions in in a snapshot. Nice. That was always it's always a big problem with with Apple's iCloud Drive doesn't do versioning unless right. your file supports it. So a lot of Apple's programs, Pages Keynote, Numbers do versioning, but not many other third-party programs do. So people who who rely on iCloud for syncing, we have to you know educate them that iCloud is a sync, not a backup. You right, still need right, a backup. Right. All right, back to the phones. Our next caller is Rich from Arundacoit, New York. Welcome, Rich. Good afternoon, gentlemen, and hello. Hi. Just a, a question here. I would like to reset my PC. Uh, it's an Asus running Windows 10, and I would like to just restart from the factory resettings from the beginning, I guess, if you will. Is there an easy way to do that? Most of the name brand PCs have a built-in reset uh, function. Um, uh, there's a recovery partition that has the, uh, the, all the original software built in. Uh, many of the um, um, companies will have a special key that, that you run uh, or... Um, uh, in your start menu, you can look look for the Acer command and see if there's a reset option. Uh, otherwise, you would uh, download the Windows uh, 10, 11 ISO, uh, write it to a a um, USB drive, and um, and then erase the drive and restore a clean Windows. Okay, so that'd be an easier way to do it than. Um, I've often been told or uh, shown that you can go right into Windows and do it right inside there itself. If if the recovery volume is still there, yes. Okay. So if your hard drive dies, the recovery volume's gone, and you can't get that anymore. What do I look for in the recovery drive? If you have a basically, if you have a D drive, it will it will be called recovery. Most of your stuff would be on your C drive, and it's okay. it's it's not it's not you know, it's a separate partition on a single drive most of the time. And it will usually walk you through it that you'll get a, a blue menus, and one of them is to rest, uh, restore to factory reset. The, uh, okay. But be aware that restoring to factory reset deletes all your data. Yes, and, and like you guys have been talking about for the longest time, I do have everything backed up or have done a recent backup and all that other kind of... Good. In that case, make sure that you have disconnected those drives if you're going okay. to do a restore. And the other thing, though, is when you're going to do the... Before you do this erase, if you've downloaded any updates to drivers, say your video card or, uh, you know, whatever... Mm -hmm. 
Make sure okay. you back those up off to a separate uh, USB drive also. So once you go back to the original uh, version of Windows that you had on there when you bought it, you can then put in the new audio drivers and the new video cards well, especially and the, the network new network drive. cards. Right. Yeah, Because the network is where you have to download. Windows has gotten a lot better at downloading all those drivers for you. Uh, but it's uh, it's helpful to have at least the network driver on a on, a, on an extra uh, mm-hmm. disc, so you can load that back in if necessary. Or thumb drive. Or thumb drive, yeah. The other thing okay. is, uh, make sure you have a Microsoft account you can log in with. Because okay. that I do have. That's where your license is stored. That's where your license is stored, and without Unless, that, you cannot restore Windows. Unless you have a really old computer where the license is printed on the box. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that I know I don't have. <laughs> right, so make sure you've got. I mean, I do have the I do have the Microsoft account though. So what, you can log in with that to your computer. Okay. Yeah, as long as you can do that, you're okay. Okay. All right, sounds like a good deal. Maybe I'll give that a try. There you go. All right, thank you guys. Have a great day. You too, Rich. Bye bye. Yeah. Just every now and then, you know, nuke it and start over. Sure, why not? It's the only way to be sure. Yeah, from orbit. <laughs> yeah. well, and, and everyone pay attention to this. It is getting more and more difficult to reactivate a Windows computer, to use your old, uh, particularly if it's Windows 10, um, it's getting harder, and anything below Windows 10, you can't. Because I don't have the 25-character license key printed on the computer anymore. It's all well, in your Microsoft Not only that, account. but they've shut down the Windows 7 and 8 licensing computers. Yeah. So you can't do those, and they're going to shut down the 10s pretty soon. They keep saying, who knows what pretty soon means. But um, the way you get your license authorized is you have to log on with your Microsoft account to that machine. So do that before you nuke it to make sure you've done that and that it knows who you are and you'll get your license back when you log back in. Windows 10 22H2 uh, uh, currently end of support is October 14th of 2025. Um, so that's that's just next year. Yeah. Um, Sounds way in the future, I mean, it's not. Yeah. And so if you're not already running 22H2, you're already probably out of support. Yep. All right, back to the phones. Our next caller is Mark calling back from Greece again. What's up, Mark? Hey, uh, gentlemen talking about the phone that wouldn't transfer data. Right. I had a unique problem where I just wanted to mention that when I put my uh, memory card in there, if he's got a memory <laughs> card slot, I formatted it to be part of the main memory. And when I plugged it into the computer, it wouldn't transfer anything. Right, right. Yeah, oh. if, he's, if he's got a memory card slot. It's, it's, it's like, so it's like a proprietary RAID in the phone. Exactly right. right. And Windows doesn't right. know what to you do with it. You have to make it a separate, and that's a pain in the neck too because now you have to, Go to it and yeah. blah blah blah, but it's it's safer if you want to back things up or move things over. Absolutely, thanks. Yeah, Mark. yeah, it, it it wouldn't let me transfer anything. You know, it, it, I don't know. It's just it's just a bizarre way of doing it, I guess. But I'm not sure if he had a memory card in his phone. A lot of them don't. So, right in this case, yeah. the uh, the S23 was plugged in directly with a cable. So yeah, yep. Okay, okay. thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Um, that's another. Yeah, we didn't even think of that. If he's if he's using Google Photos, load the Google Photos app on the phone and on the uh, computer, and your photos transfer automatically. Right, and they will take forever that first time. Yeah, 
depending on how many photos you have. To do them all. Yeah. Right, right, right. But uh, that's one of the things you, you get a, a, a decent amount of photo storage, 15 gig of photo storage. So use it. You know, why not? It's a, um, it's a pretty good deal. It used to be better. Yeah. If you're an Amazon Prime customer, you get unlimited photo storage. And you can put the Amazon... Amazon Photo app. Yeah, you can put the Amazon Photo app on, and uh, and it will um, do the same thing that Google Drive does. But if you are an Amazon Prime person already, log in with your Amazon Prime information, you get unlimited photo storage. Only photo, but it's unlimited. Uh, yeah, let's at least get his question in. Our next caller is Robert from Rochester, New York. What's up, Robert? Hi. To transfer files from my iPhone to my PC, for several years I've been using a utility called File Browser Go. And it costs a dollar a month, and I don't have to fuss with wires. And I don't know if it's available for your previous caller's Samsung, but it works for me. What I do is I set up a shared folder on the PC, and then I could see it on the phone, and I just drag the files over. No wires. Nice. Yeah, that's what's supposed to happen automatically with the Android phone, which is which is why we we were pretty sure it was the cable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't use a cable. Right, right, right. Because you've got this program. Well, yeah, yes, you do. You've you. Uh, so you don't you. This happens over the internet. There's no cable involved. That's correct. Nice. That's nice. Dollar a month. It used to be forty nine cents a month, but they raised it, and I, I could go for ninety nine cents a month. What was the name of it again? File browser. File browser go. One word. I hope it's not malware. I'm I'm referring to, but I. <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is how this is how I back up my photos. I take a lot of photos oh. on the iPhone, and I don't like that. Um, and, and what I do, I like them to be on my hard disk locally in, yeah. in duplicate or triplicate. It turns, turns, the, turns the phone into a web dev server, and then you log into it over the network. Oh, sure. That makes sense. That okay. makes sense. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks. As long as you've got a good password, right? Because yeah. you're now essentially running a, a tiny little web browser, a web server on your phone, um, which is not an issue as long as the password you've set is very, very good. And you remember to turn it off before you leave the house. And right, turn it off before you leave the house. So, yeah, something like File Browser Go would work. Uh, now there's uh, there's all kinds of uh, near-field um, yep. programs that, uh, that let you say, uh, send this to my PC directly, usually over USB, which is very slow. Not USB, Bluetooth, which is yep. very slow. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Back in just a couple of minutes with Dave Enright, with Steve Ray, with me, Nick Francesco, and with you. It is 29 minutes after the hour. You are listening to the longest-running computer show in the known universe. That would be Soundbites on member-supported Jazz 90.1. See you in a couple. Computer talk you can understand. More Soundbites is next on member-supported Jazz 90.1. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Nick Francesco. I'm Dave Enright. And I'm Steve Wright. And at 34 minutes after the hour, we are Soundbites. It's in the 50s, on the 10th of 62. December. 62. 62. 
Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hey, every day we, excuse me, don't have to shovel. And even next week. Yeah. It's, it's only cold. supposed to go, it's going to be cold, but they're not predicting any big snow. Right. Nothing but, wrong with any of that. But I did read this one other article that they said, evidently, up in Antarctica, that another big glacier broke off. Yep. And it's melting, and it's they're worried now about our lake levels and everything else right. that are going to wind up uh, rising. And the coastal and the temperat- areas, New York City, et cetera, et cetera, again. Yeah, temperatures are going to uh, be wacky as I'll get out again. Yep. Ah, uh, well. Definitely something to Apple ponder. is finally launching its Apple TV, Apple Music, Apple Devices apps on Windows this week. The apps were originally launched in preview last year, but Apple has now removed the preview tag after working with Microsoft, working with Microsoft to launch the apps. The trio of apps, in combination with an overhauled iCloud for Windows app, are designed to move Windows users away from the reliance of iTunes, just like they did to their own stuff. Last year, was it? Mm, a couple years ago. A couple years ago. If you use Apple TV, Apple Music, and Apple devices, then iTunes is only required for access to podcasts and audiobooks on Windows, and I'm sure those will go away eventually. The Apple Music app provides access to the iTunes library alongside uh, song and album purchases. Apple TV also lets Windows users watch movies and TV shows from their iTunes library, along with subscription streaming content. Apple Devices lets PC owners back up and restore iPhones and iPads, as well as sync content to those devices. Microsoft has been working with Apple on the apps and even welcomed their launch this week. Microsoft also previously rolled out iCloud Photos integration in Windows, enabling the ability to link an iCloud Photos library straight into the built-in Photos app on Windows 11. Apple's new Windows apps are only available on traditional x86-based PCs running Windows 10 or Windows 11, and there are no signs yet of ARM64 versions for Qualcomm-powered Windows devices. Microsoft and Apple working together, human sacrifice, dog and cats living together, mass hysteria! Who are you going to call? 585-966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299. Toll free, 800-790-0415. Yeah, it's, it had sort of become common knowledge in the industry that yeah. iTunes was getting too big and too bloated, trying to do too many things that they keep adding and adding and adding over the over you know, 20 years now. Um, and so you know, a few years ago on the Mac, they separated the functions into Apple Music, Apple TV, um, and podcast. There's a separate podcast app now. On Mac, right. they didn't do that on Windows yet. Yeah. Um, so the, the other advantage is, since each program is now focusing on one media type, they can be uh, updated and and modified singly easier. So if someone has a you know great update for the TV app, they don't have to wait until the music app is done. Right, right. And ha- how how many years have we been saying this? One app that does one thing well is better than one app that does fifteen things mediocrely. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, and 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 uh, as Steve said, you know, this is something that Apple did for their own stuff years ago. Uh, Microsoft and Apple got together to do it on uh, Windows Now. Uh, Google's been doing it for Android for a while now. Um, uh, and and one app that does everything. Uh, we still have Apple TV, which does, you know, or Chromecasts, which does everything in one app, but not really. Um, it's got a single front end, but then in the background, you're you're actually doing a whole bunch yeah. of different things. And the funny thing is people still call the music app iTunes. 
Sure. Because that's the name for 20 years we were used to. And it's got the same icon, so that helps too. Right. But now when someone says, I'm having a problem with my iTunes, you have to say, what what app yeah. or, what platform are you on and what's the actual name of your yep. program? And um, they, they did that on the Mac and System 1015. So that was, um, what, four year, I think, four years ago now. Yeah. But I've got two machines in the office now that are running, um, uh, one's running 1013, one's running 109. It's, it's like like having a Windows 8 and a Windows 95 computer come yeah, in. Yeah, to work exactly. I'm, I'm using a 20-year-old program. I can't upgrade the OS. Okay, but there's not a whole lot we can do anymore. Yeah, there really comes a point where you have to say you can keep the hardware, but you've got to change to Linux, or you've got to change the yeah. hardware. And that program's not going to work anymore, so you're going to have to upgrade to the new version. Right, right. Uh, or a different version of the similar program. Right. And and I get it when you when you're running you know a program that costs you seven hundred dollars, even if it was seven hundred dollars ten years ago. Yeah. You really don't want to pay another seven hundred or at this point fourteen hundred for the yeah. same program all over again. But you know what? Well, what's happened is all the companies have stopped doing one one time purchases, and right. now they're all in that twenty, thirty, forty dollars a month. Leasing right. it, right? Leasing yeah. it, right? Software as a service. Mm-hmm. You pay for the service. SaaS. SaaS. Um, and I get it. It makes it easier for them. Well, they make. That's the only way they're going to make money. That's exactly right. I mean, if right. you uh, sell it one time and then <clears throat> you know, it's just keep it going, keep it going. What incentive is there for you to do any improvements or anything else? It's just like we tell folks right now with the shareware and all that. Support those folks because it helps them keep going and improving their products. Yeah. Well, and we've the- seen we've seen many many times people have said, "Well, I used to use this, but it they, it went away." Were you paying for it? Then oh well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the first big programs to do this was the Adobe Creative Suite, which right. was twenty five hundred dollars for the full suite. So a lot of our graphics people, and, and it was the standard for graphic publishing, books, magazines, you know, anything, anything in the publishing world, they'd only buy it every four or five years. Well, then how is Adobe supposed to generate revenue to make the next version if right. nobody buys the intervening version? So now it's 60 bucks a month. Well, that's why, <clears throat> going back to our very first caller, that program, Total Recorder, that has been around for decades. And what have they done? Constant improvements. Why? Because people like the product. And pay for it. And they're paying for it to get the other features. And it's been around, like I say, over 20 years now. It, start, it's one, it's one, it started with one guy yep. who really had an itch that he scratched. Mm-hmm. And then he said, I bet other people got the same itch. Mm-hmm. So he offered the program and said, you know what? You get this much for free. If you want more, you pay. And people said, yeah, we want more. Yeah, for the price that he's charging. And for the price that he's charging. Oh. But when you get a million people, you know, there's $15 million yeah. in your pocket. Yeah. See, that's, that's the other side. Instead of, instead of paying, you know, $1,000 for this product uh, and, and 100 people buy it, if I charge 10 bucks and 1,000 people buy it, right. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. ahead. But you've got you to hope 1,000 people yeah, buy it. Yeah, it's got to well, be exactly. something that's going to be in high demand. Right. You know, it might... When you come up with the, that's been always true with any business. You've got to come up with a creative idea that's granted it might be, oh, yeah, I love this product and, you know, doing this and doing that. But if it's not going to appeal to the mass, then you're going to be dead in the water. Right. 
then you're just scratching your own itch and the itch of a few people like you. But that's it. Um, and that's the way a lot of, uh, of of programs work under under Linux. They're being given away because people had their own itch they scratched yep. and then said, you know, I don't need money, but I like the recognition. Yeah. And most of the time they have a day job where they're getting paid. Right. And their day job is nice enough to let them write software on the side because they're probably software programmers in their day job. Probably true. Uh, so, yeah, that's where a lot of that comes from. And then there are other people who say, oh, I like what you wrote. I'd like to help. Or, oh, you've stopped doing it. I'll pick it up. And yep. because it's it's free and has a, a license like that, um, you they can do that. Then there's the apocryphal story about the guy that um, got a uh, got a job at some software development house. And then his first day fixed a bug that had been annoying him, and then turned it into his resignation. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. All right, back to the phones. Our next caller is Marcy from Pittsburgh, New York. What's up, Marcy? Well, I hope you give a two-for-one sp- husband-wife special. My husband is the one who asked you, uh, and you answered his question and gave him the information about Total Recorder. Oh, excellent. Um, I have a question about hoping there is still available a current software, either free or for pay, that does what something used to do for us way back in Windows 7. We are, or I am, trying to sort through a whole bunch of old external hard drives and old laptop computers and uh, even some more current SSDs. drives to figure out what files we might still need to save. And I used to use a wonderful software, uh, unlike the command prompt uh, with MS-DOS, where you um, could find a screen print or find a, a directory of all of the folders and files and then maybe make a print function or a screen print or whatever. This software did all of that and more. Yeah, generically, but, this is called a disk cataloger. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I okay. I guess I was googling the wrong stuff this yep. week. Who are the good ones that are out there now? I'm using Windows 10. Well, there's one called Disk Catalog Maker, and the first one I found was Win Catalog 2024. Right. I can't write quite fast <laughs> enough. Would you repeat both of those for me? Sure. Uh, one is called Disk Catalog Maker, all one word, at DiskCatalogMaker.com. Okay. I wonder if that's related to Easy Disk Catalog Maker on the Microsoft App Store. Oh, that's possible. <laughs> and then there's Win Catalog 2024 at WinCatalog.com. And do you guys have a favorite? No, I use an entirely yeah. different program under Linux. So that, no. <laughs> yes, I know you like Linux. I over do. There. <laughs> All right. Um, but um, um, there are uh, Disk Catalog Maker is a shareware. Um, so you can use it for free, but of course, as always, there, and yes, there is Easy Disk Catalog Maker as well, um, and there are a bunch of alternatives to that. Um, Looks like uh, Win Catalog has a free version you can try, try before you buy it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Right. I'm just going. I'm going down through the list drive here. before you try. Yeah. Okay. Thank I used you. to use. Oh, is that still available? I used to use one called um, Delicious Library. <laughs> What a nice name. I'm a food writer. There you go. <laughs> nice. Oh, okay. That's more that's that's music and books and and um and videos. So that's more that's not not files. I had a guy that uh that had all his DVDs and whenever he loaned a DVD, you had to check it out of his library. <laughs> so so he knew who had his 
discs so he could get it back again. So I, I'm missing so many DVDs. And did my son take it? Did my daughter take it? Did my daughter's friend take it? You know? <laughs> I have that for our book library. Yep. And I still have a book out to Ellen Leonard. Ellen, if you're listening, uh-huh. I would like that book back, please. Yep. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. That answer was very quick and just what I needed. One other question. We are traveling, and I was downloading uh, a, a good weather app to keep track of the storm that we might hit between here and going south next week. And it seems all of the weather apps now are so ad-filled that it's just annoying to me. <laughs> I'm willing to pay a little bit for something to get rid of some of the ads. Do you have a favorite weather application? And this would be iPhone. I use weather.com from, uh, well, from the, well, from the weather channel and, um, um, weather.com is, uh, from IBM. IBM Watson. So he beat, he beat oh. everyone at Jeopardy and now he's, uh, now he's showing the weather. Weather.com. I didn't know yeah. that's where Watson had headed. Okay. Yep. The built-in weather app is pretty good on, uh, on iOS. Um, but I, I, I like the weather channel one. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, you might also want to try. What the heck is going on here? You might also want to try um, Wonderground. Yeah, the Weather Underground. Wonderground. I used, yeah. I used to use that uh, back before I had an iPhone, and that's still good. Weather Underground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. it's still out there. I, I, I honestly don't know if they do. I think they have ads too. I think I, I run. Uh, U-Block Origin, so mm-hmm. I don't see ads. But. Well, a lot of a lot of times it's it's like you get a five day forecast for free. If you want the ten day forecast, you got to pay for the next subscription right, right, up. Right, right, right. Okay, and I'm more interested in the one hour from now forecast as we're heading south in yeah. Pennsylvania or somewhere. Okay, right. <laughs> Thank you so very much. I'll hang up now. Yep. All right. Yep. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Yeah. There's uh, the weather apps are getting better. Mm-hmm. They're also, if you're a, uh, for you um, Android people, the Google um, uh, we- um, Maps, Google Maps, now has weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can you can get the local weather. I don't know how far ahead it goes, mm. but uh, you can certainly see the local weather, which to me is a little odd. Here you are driving, and there's this giant pane of glass in front of you. You probably can see the weather. Mm-hmm. Probably, just just well, a thought. I, yeah, uh, fair assumption, but okay. There's uh, there's one called Carrot Weather, um, that's very snarky. Uh, it's hype. It's hyper localized because they have people reporting, you know, from from every every little tiny area, um, on their main uh, main web page. In San Francisco, it's 72 degrees today. Make the most of this nice weather I generated for you, or else. <laughs> so apparently you can turn up the snarkiness level. Oh, nice. On how snarky you want your weather to be. Very nice. I like snarky weather. That makes sense to me. <laughs> uh, iOS and Android. And it's called what? Carrot weather. Carrot as in C-A-R-R-O-T. captain or carrot as in vegetable? Uh, C-A-R-R-O-T. Meatcarrot.com. Meat carrots? No, no meat. M-E-E-T. Meat carrot. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, they have a they have a bunch of other ones too. To do alarm fit hunger and weather, interesting. Oh, it's an AI. Oh, it's an AI. Of course, it is. Yeah, everything's AI these days. Everything's AI. You can't not have AI anymore. We used to call it good programming. 
Yeah. Now apparently we call it AI. Yeah, everything's AI. Um, but yeah, there's a. Uh, what? A lot of people yeah, run okay. their own weather station. Um, it's it's so easy to have a Raspberry Pi running, you know, with some sensors on it as a weather station, yep. and then you feed that into like Weather Underground or Current Weather or, or a lot of the weather uh, apps will right. take that, and so that became known as hyper localized. So it's not just the Rochester weather, or you know, it's it's the you know North Greece, you know, south of uh, the lake weather, and and then and and then north of Ridge Road you get different weather. Well, and that's true. Yeah. I mean, there are so times you, you I have looked out my people. back window and seen rain, looked out my front window and not seen rain. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Hyper-localized. I keep trying to get uh, our flying uh, flying field to um, put a weather station at the field so you can you can see what the wind and weather is like before you drive all well, the way over you gotta there. Have the, yeah. Uh, yeah, try going was, down 590. And yeah. you look over to the uh, east, and that's sunny. I'm over in the you know southbound lane, and it's pouring buckets. Yep, yep, exactly right. I've seen a couple of clubs that have uh, cameras also on and, on their um, fields. And so you can see who else is flying and decide if you don't want to go or not. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, they're flying? No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, back to the phones. Our next caller is David from Arondacoit, New York. What's up, David? Hello, Nick. Um and uh, give my uh, regards to your lovely wife. I will do that. Thank well, you. Um, at the beginning of the show, you mentioned uh, issues with Chromebook and some other things in terms of their being um, repairable and whatnot. Right. Um, the issue I have with my Chrome, well, I had it with an older Chromebook, and now um, I'm told that in 2025, my slate will go out of um, updates and whatnot. Right. Um, do you think that Google will uh, reconsider, you know, pushing an expensive <laughs> tablet um, out the door um, and reconsider not updating, or is that a fait accompli? They have stated that their current Chrome models are going to be supported for seven years now. But I don't think they went back and said the previous ones would be longer than they currently were then. Which, so so is, is it just Slate is the name, name of the well, product? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I bought it probably about six plus years ago. Primarily for international travel and or just regular traveling. Right. Um, the new nice size and and it was a, a Chromebook and uh, made made from uh, made by Google and whatnot and um, and paid a pretty penny for it. But um, I wasn't you know and I don't use it that much. I use actually another Chromebook. Uh, with a larger screen to do a lot of other things, but right. um, so it, it kind of uh, is disappointing to see that it will go out of uh, right. It used to be uh, five years, then it was seven years. Now it's ten years if you buy a new Chromebook. Oh, it is up to ten. It's now? ten years. Maybe it was Android phones. I was I right. read was seven years. Right. 
Um, it's uh, Chrome OS devices will now receive 10 years of updates. Um, so even old ones will do that, but some features and services might not be supported. So, so is this the Pixel slate? Yeah. Um, so auto expiration is uh, August of 27. So they did update it a few uh, a few years from your 25 date that you found. Okay. Right, so you've got you've got another couple of years of uh, updates to go on the Pixel Slate, and the Pixel Book Go is August of twenty nine. Right. So one of the things you you have to remember is that even though you're not getting updates, it's still a usable device, right? It's still the same device it was before, in that it's still secure, it still does everything you asked it to do before, it just isn't getting any new features. Well, by new features, my my real concern is is updates in terms of security. You know, I mean that's the whole right. Most of the updates have not been for security because the yeah, most of the updates have not been for security because the Chromebooks are pretty secure. Although, yes, there have been some. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, but still, you're good for another. What's twenty four to three years? You're good for another three years. Mm-hmm. On your Pixel yeah. Slate. Um, oh, that's good to know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll be getting updates through August of 2020, until it says August of 2027. On your Pixel Slate. Okay. So then I don't have to go into, you know, change over to Linux and that thing. <laughs> or get right. a, yeah, you can always get a new Chromebook. That's, that's, that's what they would hope. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So start saving your pennies now, and in August of 2027, pick up a new Chromebook. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that's that's doable. And like I said, I I uh, kind of splurged on this one, but yep. right. Yeah, I remember the first the first it, Pixel books were almost ludicrously expensive to yeah, what right. Chrome eventually became. Right. Well, but this this Pixel Slate is good for another three years, so don't you don't have to worry about it. Okay, great. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, thanks. Bye, bye, Dave. Bye. Uh, yeah, I just noticed my original CR28, the very first, yeah. the reference. Chrome reference. Chrome reference. Um, went out of date in 2015. Ooh. I, I don't know that I've booted it up since 2013, but <laughs> okay, I've still got it. I know right where it's sitting. Yeah. I may have to boot it up just to, just to laugh. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, uh, Chromebooks are, you know, 10 years of updates for a device that's that inexpensive uh, that does as much as it does, which is a lot, and I mean a lot, is a heck of a deal. And I, I think uh, it's the kind of thing that, that that you know, you should do what Dave does. He, he's got a machine at home, and when he goes places, he takes the Chromebook. That means it's it's not, you know, you, you don't have to have, you don't have to worry about it being stolen. You don't have to worry about... Uh, somebody corrupting it or breaking it or dent- well, he's got a Pixel Slate, so it's more expensive. But. Yeah, that was more of a two-in-one computer than it was right, a right, right. At the time, but for for me, you know, I bought Chromebooks that are two hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and they do everything I need to do when I'm on the road. Yeah, you know, and when I come home, I've got my full-blown desktop with all my stuff in it. But when I'm on the road, if I'm writing or I'm just looking something up or whatever that's about. Um, a Chromebook not only does what I need it to do, 
It's a machine I do not worry about. If it dies, I can stop in any store and buy another one. And and boot it up and it's got everything I need. It's, it all comes back. Yep. All right, we are done for another week. I want to thank Dave Enright. I want to thank Steve Ray. I want to thank everybody who called in. Great stuff this week. I really appreciate all of that. And I want to thank you, all of you listeners out there. It's you people who keep us on the air. Those of you who listen, and in particular, those of you who are members of this station. Thank you all so very, very much for for keeping us uh, on the air and for your faith in us. We'll be back next week with a whole lot more sound bites right here on member-supported Jazz 90.1. See you in just 166 hours. Be good to one another, will you?